Hello, and welcome to the Watership Down podcast, episode 14. Well, that was a bit of a heavy episode last week, which was sort of inevitable, really, bearing in mind the subject matter. So this episode will be a lot lighter, while we also take a break from going through the book, having completed part one. Firstly, I'm going to introduce the framework by which I'll eventually be comparing portrayals of Watership Down and how I have arrived at this approach. Then I'm going to be reading some early reviews of the book and a preview of the 1978 film that I was sent by Rick Morris a month ago. I've been looking forward to an appropriate opportunity to share these. So, on with the show. Originalism and Revisionism I recently ran a poll on the two Watership Down fans groups on Facebook in which I asked, what is your interest in Watership Down primarily based upon? I gave two options, though others can be added. They were the original book and the 1978 film. On the large group, the results are currently 71 for the book and 25 for the film. On the smaller group, this was 21 book and 15 film, with one added vote for the Tales from Watership Down audiobook. Why do I mention this? Well, one day I will finish going through the original book and will embark upon a discussion of the portrayals of the book and uh, on film and TV. At that point I'm going to have to address the tension between the originalist approach to the story and the revisionist approach. Basically, this is the tension between the view that the original book is canon and should never be changed in any portrayal of it, and the view that the original source material is there to be played with, changed and expanded. This is not just about summarising the story, which is unavoidable in any film portrayal of such a long novel, but about actual changes to the story. Having said that, summary that goes too far does effectively change the story. Here's where things could get ugly between those for whom their main devotion is the book and those for whom it is the film. The 1978 film, at a running time of 102 minutes, obviously had to summarise the story heavily. This is surely forgivable. However, it did not just summarise the story. There are places where it changed it, and examples of summary that effectively changed the story in a way that an originalist might criticise heavily. Yet the 1978 film, and its telling of the story, is much loved by many in its own right, independently of the original book. And this leads us to an awkward possibility that I'm going to introduce into the debate at this point. When it comes to Warship Down, there are actually two originalist positions. One treats the original book as canon in any analysis of subsequent versions. However, another treats the 1978 film as canon in any analysis of film or TV versions that came after it. In fact, I'll go even further. The addition of a female character to those who leave Sandalford in the film was, perhaps, an implied criticism of the sexism of the original book. Yes, I'm suggesting the possibility that the 1978 film may even have improved on the original story in some aspects. Shame she is killed off so early and has about one line. I'm going to introduce the idea that the 1978 film clearly has such a following in its own right that it has earned a canon status all of its own. I'm well aware this may annoy devotees of the book, but it is so clearly the main reason for Love Watership Down in so many of its devotees that it is arguably pointless to deny it this status. 
When it comes to analysing the 1978 film, I do plan to fairly ruthlessly compare it to the original book, and will not hold back on criticising it from a book originalist perspective. However, the 1978 film set up conventions when it comes to telling the story on screen that subsequent versions have felt the need to acknowledge. For example, the opening of the story with a stylized version of the story of the blessing of Elacrera. Was this creative laziness, or just acknowledging the validity of the defining film portrayal of the story? In any case, my analysis of film and TV versions of the book is going to throw up some surprising examples of much-loved portrayals being ridiculously inaccurate, while far less admired versions get some very specific elements of the story surprisingly right. To this end, and very much for my own amusement, there will be a theme of Crimes Against Watership Down, specific charges including abuse of geology and geography. Coming across Ephrafa on the way to Watership Down from Sandalwood is an example of the latter that I regret to say the 1978 film is guilty of. This would involve a ridiculous journey on the part of Captain Holly, who in the original book journeys to Ephrafa, which lies in the complete opposite direction to Sandalwood, as an ambassador after settling in at the newly founded Watership Down Warren. Holly encountering Ephrafa on the way to Watership Down was summary of the story taken to a ridiculous extreme and I find the 1978 film guilty as charged. As for geology, the 1999 TV series has too many offences to name, but they will be named. Watership Down is set mostly on chalk downland, which can be a bit devoid of certain features that make for an interesting cartoon, among them extensive cave networks and waterfalls. However, this is no excuse, at least from an originalist perspective, for such blatant abuse of geology, and the charge sheet will be long and detailed. But, as an interesting aside, the portrayal of the stories of El Herrera in the Canadian TV series are worthy of credit. It is the only version that includes more than one of them, and their stylization is based upon the rabbit art shapes of the Warren of the Snares, the showing of which to Hazel also features in the story. Let me sum the, ab- the above up as follows. There is no version of Watership Down, including the original book, that should be free from criticism or from praise. I will respect originalist perspectives completely, but I will also give a full and fair hearing to any revisionist portrayals of the story. Even, and I say this through gritted teeth, the rabbit's trip to the seaside that features in the Canadian TV series. I'm not even joking. That actually happens. You can see how traumatic this is going to be at times, but I'm prepared to take one for the team. Early reviews of Watership Down A month ago, Rick Morris, who also introduced me to The Lost Paragraph, sent me some clippings of early reviews of Watership Down that really deserve to be read in full, so I'm going to be incredibly lazy and do exactly that. It's fascinating to read how the book was first received, as well as the plans for the original film. This is a short 1974 review of Watership Down from the Daily Mail. I will comment as necessary. It's called This Next Classic and it's written by Max Wilkinson. It's kid stuff officially, but it will one day be recognised as a great classic of English literature. 
it is already soaring into the bestseller lists in the USA. Watership Down, Rex Collings, £3.50, Puffin, 40p, big price difference, by civil service Richard Adams, is the story of a small group of rabbits roaming the Sussex countryside after their warren is destroyed. Time out. The Sussex countryside? I could save myself a lot of petrol money getting to the, where the book is set, if it was set in Sussex. It's not. It's Hampshire. Anyway. It sounds an uncompromising plot, an unpromising, rather, plot for a suspense-packed thriller, but the book certainly has those qualities. This is because it avoids being twee, sentimental or childish, like a lot of animal books for children. Wash It Down is really about rabbits, not furry little people. It is based on careful study of the animals and an intimate knowledge of the countryside. It brings to life a whole new world of terrors and daring, where every sound could be a ferret or a fox out to kill. It's a world which, like the best science fiction, is completely gripping once you get into it, and a world which makes some penetrating comments about the way we organise our own society. It has some fascinating insights into the minute workings of the animal kingdom. It is a rare book whose fast storyline keeps you interested, but which makes you pause, think, and even reread a, chap a chapter or two. Then you can hand it to the kids. Ooh, bit of a passive-aggressive ending there, possibly? Anyway. This is a longer 1974 review from the Liverpool Daily Post. The title is, What's up now, Doc? asks Roy Nash. A civil servant who wrote a book based on stories he told his children to keep them quiet in the Hrududu has become Britain's latest cult figure. And if you know that the word Hrududu means car, you're already a devotee. Other words which cult followers might slip into the everyday conversation are flayra, lettuce, no, actually any good food, nephrith, spelt double N-I, which means noon, that's correctly translated, and sylphle, or feed, actually feed outside. For this is rabbit language, as talked in Richard Adams' bestseller Watership Down, which tells the story of a group of rabbits and the adventures which engulf them on their journey to a new warren. Experts are comparing the impact of the book with the cult created by Professor J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings, the monumental saga of elves in a machineless world. Tolkien fan clubs were formed, admirers of the book wore coloured buttons bearing the names of their favourite characters, and the author was bombarded with letters, paintings and poems. Now the same sort of response seemed to be developing to the Adams book, which appeals to all ages. Children and grown-ups have written to Mr Adams to tell him how much they like his rabbits, 83-year-old comedian Groucho Marx told in the book was, quote, very exciting, and some members of the Royal Shakespeare Company are devoted followers of the cult. Warship Down is a, is a real hill near the Berkshire-Hampshire border. Mr Adams, son of a Newbury doctor, set his story in the countryside he knew as a boy. And now enthusiasts go there just to look at it. He said, I thought my book deserved publication. I didn't expect it to have the success it has, to be something that would alter my life. It was on a car journey to Stratford-upon-Avon to see a performance of the Royal Shakespeare Company that Watership Down was born. Quote, I just improvised it for my daughters off the top of my head as we went along the motorway, Mr Adams said. I've told them many stories, but this was the only one they suggested I should write down. That was eight years ago. It took Mr Adams two years to write the 150,000-word book, which was first published in 1972. It has gone through six editions as a hardback in Britain alone and is now selling 8,000 copies a day in paperback. Translations are about to be published in Denmark, Germany, Holland, Italy, Japan and Finland. Film rights have been sold to Martin Rosen, producer of the movie version of D.H. Lawrence's Women in Love. So a bit of foreshadowing of the film version there. 
Two years later, this 1976 article, again from the Daily Mail, is about what I believe was the first audiobook of Watership Down, read by Roy Detrice, which was heavily abridged. Now, I have seen a version of that on YouTube, the full thing on YouTube, but I think it might have been taken down because I can't find it anymore. Anyway, it gives, also gives advanced information on the 1978 film, which was being made at the time. Now, this one's dated exactly. It's Daily Mail, Saturday, December 11th, 1976, and it's got this weird design with famous actors' faces with bunny rabbit ears drawn around them. Very odd. I'll put the, I'll put the image up on the Facebook page. Um, but, yeah, it's a quite odd-looking design. Anyway, the title is... Uh, How those watership down rabbits turned into stars and left Roy Latrice in a spin. It's written by Jenny Reese. Sir Ralph Richardson has embarked on what may, must be the most curious part in his long and distinguished acting career, playing a rabbit. No, he won't be attaching a white fluffy tail to his bottom or waving long ears about. He's given his voice to the chief rabbit in a new film of Richard Adams' bestseller, Watership Down. Sir Ralph, who is currently working in New York, understandably doesn't regard it as one of his major roles, but he says it was very ni a very nice part, if short, and the first time I've ever played a rabbit. I do hope that if the film is a success I may be offered another rabbit part. I put a lot into him. I might even move on to hares now. Ten million people throughout the world have now read Adam's Lapine Odyssey about the adventures of the inhabitants of threatened Sandalford Warren on the Berkshire Downs. Actually, it's not on the Berkshire Downs, it's near them. Watership Down, written for children, has become a campus cult in the States and the subject of university theses on the interrelationships of a bunch of rabbits. Adam's saga of leadership and loyalty, written from his experiences in World War II, was published four years ago. Now his characters are being turned into moving, talking creatures. Rabbits, on the rare occasions when they have been film stars, have seemed rather a joke. Breathless, silly animals. Lewis Carroll's White Rabbit was obsessed with punctuality. Bugs Bunny was just plain brash. Br'er Rabbit fell into traps. A.A. A. Milne's rabbit failed to be the organiser he thought he was. And Thumper's most shining quality was his sweetness. But Richard Adams' rabbits are heroes, courageous and brimming over with the attributes nurtured for centuries by English public schools. As film stars, they're going to be the big names of next year. As voices, they can already be heard on a four-hour series of records released last year by Ar month by Argo. Roy Detrice, the former Royal Shakespeare Company actor, took two days off from his Charles Dickens TV series to put the inhabitants of Watership Down on record. Now nine local radio stations are serialising the reading, but Detrice doesn't have fond memories of the session. These rabbits cause trouble down to the ends of their whiskers. I worked flat out for 24 hours, he says, and when my wife asked me considerately, considerately if I was exhausted, I said I felt as if I had myxomatosis. Hmm, that's tasteful. There was no script, just a book. I had whole speeches to read before I got to the name of the speaker. I had 60 or 70 rabbits to characterise. I had to be pretty smart to remember what voice I'd given to each rabbit. To keep the rabbit odyssey within the confines of the UK, he used a variety of regional accents. I made the mystic colony of rabbits Welsh. I think that means the colony of the war of the swears. Uh, it's the snares, rather. Because I felt I could give them a bit of Celtic mystery. The domestic hutch rabbits came out as Cockney townies, and the more military rabbits turned out to be Scots. He's played the belligerent General Woundwort as a Northern Irish rabbit. I based him on Ian Paisley. The recording comes complete with pastoral music, George Butterworth's A Shropshire Lad Rhapsody, and a little glossary of rabbit language for those not already immersed in the warship down burrow culture. Meanwhile, 
over in a converted warehouse just off Gower Street, just a one and a half hour trip from Watership Down itself. Producer, Mar- producer Martin Rosen sits in his busy warren making his film. He began in the summer of 1975 and his deadline is August next year. He's shrouding his animated screen rabbit in, in mystery, won't show anyone his prototype and is generally secretive about the film. He bought the rights direct from Richard Adams with a promise that his rabbits would be tastefully portrayed. The film has already been pre-sold to the whole of Latin America and the Far East. These are not wide-eyed cartoon rabbits, they are naturalistic, says Rosen cryptically. He's hired a team of the best animators in the business who work away in a large room decorated with a frieze of jumping rabbits and are supervised by Phil Duncan, who created Thumper for Walt Disney. Our problem is that it takes a very long time to make a hundred-minute animated film. It will be the longest one ever, he explains. That's not true anymore. We have to start completely from scratch, providing background, colours, music. It's a handmade film from start to finish. Rosen, who produced Women in Love, is paying close attention to detail. Reconnaissance trips are made frequently to Berkshire to reproduce the Watership Down landscape. Actors' voices have been chosen to suit the tone of the story. Apart from Sir Ralph, there are Julian Glover, playing the shrew gentle Hazel, the real hero, Denham Elliott, playing Cowslip, and Richard Briers, playing the visionary Fiver. Rabbit songs have been written by Mike Batt, who composed the Womble songs. They are sung by Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel. A composer is being signed up to create the overall score. Rosen feels that he has a definite responsibility to recreate a visual warship down that does not conflict too much with the picture already in the reader's imagination. I'm working on a book that has something unique in it, that reaches out to everyone as well as being a classic adventure story. I don't think I'm shattering anyone's dreams. After all, rabbits are rabbits are rabbits. Strange ending. Anyway. Well, I hope this um, different format of episode has been okay for you. Um, like I said, I'm taking a couple of episodes off going through the book. Um, interesting to hear those words from so soon after the books were published and just before the film came out. In the next episode, to be honest, I don't know yet. I'm taking a break from going through the book, like I said, so I've got so much material to work with, I'm going to wing it a bit. One plan I do have is to delve a bit further into the mystery of the lost paragraph after crunching a whole raft of information I received from Jeremy Downing from Ohio. Uh, Thanks once again very much to Rick Morris for um, sending me those reviews and other material he sent me that's been very helpful. Um, And I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.